Welcome, B-Movie fans, to another B-Movie interview. I'm Paul. And I'm Corey. And joining us today are the filmmakers Bruce Kilroy and Bob Clark. And they're here to talk about their new film, Strip Club Massacre. Bruce and Bob, welcome to the show. Thanks, hey, thanks guys. for having us, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining. Always glad to have someone new on. So, what inspired you guys to become filmmakers? Oh, my goodness. I'll let yeah, Bruce right. take this. Oh, it's too man. early. Go ahead, man. It's <laughs> on you. All right. Uh, geez. We're not, well, I will say, not that this uh, totally relates, but you know, Bob and I have known each other since we were like nine years old. So I'd say like the better part of 30 years. So it wasn't until, I don't know, three or four years ago that we kind of uh, started. Well, actually, we started out doing what you guys are doing. We started out reviewing movies just because we found ourselves always texting back and forth about about horror movies that we saw on netflix or amazon or whatever the case is so started reviewing movies you know did um started out with a website and things like that and after a while of doing that we kind of still wanted a little bit more out of it so we said you know bob's got a marketing and business background and i've got a business background let's let's maybe try our hand at marketing, you know, small budget indie horror film. So we actually did that for, for a year and we went to a couple conventions promoting a, a paranormal TV show and also a, uh, a revenge, uh, horror flick. Um, so we did that and it was, you know, it was fun and not that we had any complaints, but it was just one of those situations where it still didn't really quench our thirst, so to speak. And so, you know, Bob was, actually on set at the time working on that paranormal uh paranormal investigative yeah. show and i can and i can i guess i can give bruce a little little assistance i can take it from here he did a great job building up to it and then uh it's the kind of funny how well it's kind of funny how the idea came he's right i was on the set of the paranormal show that we were doing and it just so happened that our dp there uh who also is the dp for this film nick udom um, he, he's like, Hey, you know, you've written some screenplays before, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, you know, whatever. Nothing's ever come to fruition, but whatever. And he's like, well, I got a great idea for an independent horror film. And I'm like, all right, cool, man. What is it? And he goes strip club massacre. And I'm like, Oh, great. That sounds awesome. What's it about? And he goes, I don't know. I just have a title. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So he goes, so you write it and direct it and do all the other stuff and I'll just shoot it. And I'm like, okay, cool. So what started out is something we're going to try to do for, honestly just fun on the side we weren't really even trying to make it as big as it's become and then as time went on I st we got connections and we got you know aaron brown's in the film now we got a couple big names bigger name actors and actresses and we went from just trying to make something for fun for ourselves to something that's can be pre-ordered on itunes today so it's actually pretty cool and kind of surreal if you ask me could you guys yeah. tell us a bit about a strip called Massacre? From the title, it looks like something that we'd definitely be interested in, but um, just like the general plot and like idea behind it. Uh, yeah, so when 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 Nick approached Bob about the film title, and Bob said, "Well, shit, I guess um, I'll just call Bruce and we'll you know we'll write it." So Bob called me, and I think from the kind of from the get go, Bob and I knew that it was going to end up being you know a revenge you know slasher style horror film. So. Uh, yeah, basically what it's about, it's a, a young woman who, you know, has a series of unfortunate events occur and, and through the course of those events, she ends up trying to make some life changes to better her situation. And in the meantime, or in the midst of that gets mixed up with, you know, the wrong crowd and, and, uh, just comes to a point where she's got to take a stand, uh, for herself and, and do, you know, sometimes you gotta do the things you gotta do to get the end result. And that's kind of 
geez, that may be too vague, but that is, you know, at the heart of it, it's a revenge slasher flick. So that's that's pretty much exactly how I'd describe yeah. it. So Bruce hit it right on. I think I think Bob and I always kind of kept in the back of our minds. We wanted something that would be simple, relatable, effective, you know, a good story. And so we really didn't even try. We didn't try to make it too intricate. We just said, you know, this is the this is the basics of it. Let's let's build off the basics and just make it an effective film. So, uh, yeah, that that's basically what it what it's about at the root of things. So, yeah, one thing I'll say about it is. The title, obviously, you think tits and blood and blah, blah, blah and all that. But but really, we actually went for a solid story. And while there is nudity in the film, because you really can't escape having, you know, strip club massacre, uh, it's not overly done. It's not gratuitous. It's nothing that, you know, it, there's never a scene where you're like, wow, we didn't need any titties there. And actually, every it makes sense, if, it, if you will. We didn't overdo it because, in my opinion, I've said this before on a podcast, a lot of these independent horror films is just about naked chicks and people dying, and, and to me, it's lazy. It's, it's lazy and it's cheap. So me and Bruce wanted something with a little more substance than the crap you see out there sometimes. Were there any uh, unexpected challenges or like interesting stories while making this film? Ooh. Well, uh, we, we had to recap. There were a few lead. internal things that I'm not going to blast over the podcast but um there were some weather issues we had quite a few outdoor scenes there was one scene we were going to shoot it was out of the lake up here in atlanta and um all day long was sunny probably mid upper 50s you know we could tolerate it we get on set it's a night scene so we get on set and the moment we get on set this black cloud comes and it was like we got two inches of rain that night it dropped to like 30 degrees so it was like it was almost like the moment we set up there god was like okay now you're gonna break now like we didn't even get a chance to shoot anything so we spent about four hours setting up breaking down and leaving and didn't get anything shot that was the biggest challenge um just for like you know i guess what's the word a speed bump other than that the challenge was we only had access to the strip club once a week we had it for about 10 hours every sunday because we actually shot in a real strip club uh, a real functioning strip club, and they were closed on Sundays, so we only had access on Sundays. And being that you know a lot of the film was shot there, um, you know it, it was. That's why it took us about three months to shoot because we could have done it in about a month and a half, but just having that one day a week was a, a huge challenge. What would you say is the most unique aspect of Strip Club Massacre? Why should somebody come and see that instead of something else? Ooh, hey, Bruce. I, you know, I think, and we, I think we. <laughs> We might end up beating this dead horse yet, but it goes back and some of the previous reviews we've had um, from some nice people out there have all said the same thing. And that, you know, while while it's a small, you know, micro budget horror movie, uh, the one thing that everyone seems to take note of is that the story was well written. So I guess if that's a little braggy, then it's just going to be a little braggy. But I think Bob and I, again, we set out from the get go to say this just needs to have a solid plot, a good storyline. Uh, again, to avoid just oh here here's a movie where we just uh, you know roll the film and there's lots of blood and lots of boobs. So I think overall the the biggest thing that we've the biggest feedback we've got is how well the story was written. So I think for that Bob and I are both very proud, especially as it is you know our first full length feature that we've been able to to turn out. So I think that's the biggest thing for me anyway. And I also didn't want to come off as a huge pervert, so I guess that kind of made sense too. I mean, for for me, I mean, you, you you threw Aaron Brown's name on there, and I'm like, I'm sold. 
So, you know, <laughs> any, anything past that is just a bonus at this point. I mean, if it's got a great story, that's awesome. And, you know, <laughs> that, that is. That's kudos to being able to take a film like that and to, to take a title like Strip Club Massacre and turn it into something more than just a blood, gore, ass, and tits. Well, the, the crazy thing about Aaron Brown is the fact that, you know, when, when I f- met her, I met her at a convention in Indianapolis, and, you know, her being such a big star, and she has her daily rate as far as what she makes and whatnot, she, uh, she was originally going to come on and just make a cameo, one-day shoot, you know, in and out, done, and she read the script in its entirety, which I was shocked at, and she said, I really, really love the character Jazz, who played—Jazz is pretty much the lead bitch of the movie, and— um so I'm like, yeah, I bet you do. I don't have the money to do that. So when she got down here, we'd already been shooting for about two weeks. And I actually had to replace the person that was playing jazz for me for reasons I can't say. And um, so I'm at dinner that night with Aaron going over her part. And I'm, I just happened to mention that I had to find someone to play this role. And she's like, look, I don't have anything to do for the next few months. Just let me do it. And we'll figure something else out later. And she was nice enough to worked for about an eighth of what she should have made and she really ended up being the star of the show that's amazing yeah so hats off to her for that what qualities would you say make up a great film and could you give us some examples of films that you would consider great take it bruce (laughs) i give Um, you all the hard questions so i'll take the easy ones yeah i know right this is uh not on the spot here at all I, i think it's a little difficult to Hold on, let me try to stall. Right, uh, I don't know. It's hard to say what. It's hard to say what makes. Um, I think it. I think every movie offers something different. So I don't think what works for one movie could work for another movie. I think. Yeah, I think it's. <laughs> I think you have to take it as a, a kind of a case by case basis. I mean, yeah, what works for one may not work for the other, and I think. Uh, I think a lot of times what you can tell in a movie that you enjoy is you can, I think you can tell how well the cast and crew vibes or how well they don't vibe. I know for our movie, you know, whether it, uh, you know, whether it's a smash success or just something for us to be proud of is irrelevant. But I know one thing is that I think watching it, you can tell that our cast and crew kind of had a very much a family atmosphere. And I think part of that was budget. You know, we just, we had to, we had to, kind of pull in favors from people we knew and some close, you know, close people and some people we met along the way. So, I mean, for us, and I think for, I guess it, it could, you know, go for a lot of movies out there is I think you can tell when the cast and crew is on the same page. And I think that shows. And so it may not be one quality or another, but I think if you have that in common, I think that, uh, that you'll be successful. Yeah. Bruce is right. As long as everyone's vision is the same coming in, you know, I, I've been on some. I've done more projects. I've done some um, documentaries and whatnot before. And if you have eight or nine people, and four of them have this one goal in mind, and two of them are just money hungry, and one of them is just trying to get her name out, you can you can you know have some major issues. But for the most part, our entire cast and crew were just in it for the love. I mean, my, pretty much my entire film crew, with the exception of our DP, were volunteers. They just wanted to be around it. They just wanted to be on set. And part of the things I did for these guys was, hey, you know, you come run sound for two weeks and I'll just give you a part in the movie. So it was, you know, kind of a trade off like, hey, come work for me and I'll just put you in the movie. And they just did it for the pure love and friendship of the, the whole project. 
Yeah, I don't want to. I'll I'll chime back in here. I don't want to sound too cliche, but I think if you even look outside the horror genre, I will totally use Clerks as a good example of what I mean by that. Is you know when you look at it, when you hear about how Kevin Smith, you know what he did in order to make that movie, and you know that he he did pull in favors and he did you know have people that were you know personal friends take on different tasks, and I think that that shows. Not that I would ever compare our movie to Clerks, but it's just in the same vein as is you can tell that everyone had a common goal and everyone was willing to pitch in and do things that they wouldn't normally do just for the sake of like, hey, let's let's fucking make a good, you know, a good movie. And I, I think that you could tell uh, in that movie for sure. So spot on. Now, on the opposite spectrum. Are there any films that either of you enjoy as, like, a guilty pleasure? You know, films that everybody just shits on all the time, but you just love it anyway. Uh, go ahead, Bruce. I got mine. He, Bruce knows what I'm going to say, but I'm, I want to hear his answer. <laughs> Boy. Are we talking just horror or anything? Anything. Anything. Yeah. Any movies? Okay, I'll do one of each. Okay, I'll do one of each. But go ahead, Bruce. I think I think I have more guilty pleasures when it comes to music taste than when it comes to movie taste. I mean, as far as movies go, regardless of the genre, I kind of enjoy the entertainment aspect of uh of most any movie to an extent but i will say that one of my guilty pleasures is just the subgenre of horror that is werewolves and i've seen some great werewolf films oh out God. there here we go again. I, I know i know <laughs> and, and i have seen some fucking some terrible werewolf movies out there but just werewolves in general my favorite subgenre and and yeah for me it's a guilty pleasure probably because of how much uh, bob berates me because of my love for it so now, I have to ask, since since we're talking ahead, about uh, Strip Club Massacre here, and you're talking about werewolves, have you have you ever seen Strippers versus Werewolves? I know what you're talking about, and I guess I'm probably ashamed to say that I have not actually seen that one. So. Okay, because it, it, as far as, like, there's that, and then there's, like, the triple the X zombie strippers or strippers versus zombies, Strippers versus Werewolves is by far the best of those <laughs> strippers versus paranormal movies. Fair enough. Noted. Now I see. Now I know, and I'll have to, yeah, you know, have to seek it out for sure. Hey, are you guys sure you can't see me on camera? Because I'm getting undressed. Um, and for the viewers, and it, for the viewer, or the people listening at home, you're welcome. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, there, there, yeah. still just the letters up there. We're Paul had awesome. check just to be sure. I want to make sure. That <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't want to be rude. Thanks, guys. Oh, so my, all right, so my guilty pleasure. I'll, uh, let's see here. And, you know, Bruce has his, his thing for werewolves, which is cool. You know, everyone, to each his own. If we were all the same, it wouldn't be fun. So I give a shit about the werewolf thing, but it's, uh, you know, it's a cool thing. Um, my, my horror movies, I, I, I like the ones, and I've said this a million times, and Bruce knows what I'm going to say, I like the things that could actually happen. I don't really get much into vampires, werewolves, go A little bit of ghosts sometimes, like paranormal activity is okay. Like, I kind of believe in ghosts, but for the most part, I like things like The Strangers or just something that could actually happen and pretty much does happen every day, which is why I liked, um, I really liked House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects because it's just so messed up. But yet it could take place, and it's probably happening right now as we speak. Although I will say Rob Zombie has pretty much shit the bed his last three films, and I'm not I'm not a fan anymore. But those are my two guilty pleasure horror movies that get crapped on. As far as outside of horror, oh, don't make fun of me. But for some reason, I really like the movie Ten Things I Hate About You. <laughs> <laughs> Is it is it that perform, performance where Heath Ledger's dancing in the stadium stands? That's that exactly what it is. Probably exactly what it is. Let me ask you guys the same question. Let's 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 turn it around a little bit. What are, what are your guilty pleasures, if you don't mind me asking? Taking over the interview for a minute. I mean, as, as far <laughs> as like 
horror goes and stuff. Um, I, I love, and this is like my like if if my wife is away from home at night and I just like need something comforting to fall asleep to, I will put in Chopping Mall. <laughs> I've seen that. Um, I mean that's that's yeah that's my go to like I just want to watch a, a a bad horror movie that's not gonna make me want to like you know drink myself to death or anything. Um, and then as far as like outside of the horror genre, I I do love the like '90s fighting video game movie adaptations, Street Fighter, oh. Mortal Kombat. Like <laughs> they're just they're terrible, but I gotta love them. Yeah, oh, yeah. I like I have an affinity for films that kind of like they're really low budget and you can tell that the person didn't know how to compensate for it. And they're just, you can see like, um, like boom mics and things. And nice. They just look terrible. It's like, I, I, I just, I, I find there's a certain charm to this. I definitely luckily, like luckily there's no boom mics in our movie. They're, they're almost wore a few times, but I, I was able to catch them in post, <laughs> but we came very close to having some little hidden gems for you, but we, we got rid of all of them that I know of. Speaking we should have gone. We should have just gone full space balls and had the entire, you know, the entire crew like in the shot, you know. Just well, I'm. A, I'm a, I, this is a funny story. I'm gonna give a little shout out to our our sound guy who are he held our boom mic for us and he was a buddy of mine that I met in a bar and just we were always at the same bar all the time and we actually shot some scenes there and he became he was always on set. He actually is one of one of the cast members in the film that gets killed because I just owed him so much. His name's Jason McDaniel, and for some reason, like every time he came on set, he had this bright ass yellow Tom Selleck T-shirt he wore. <laughs> and in the strip club scenes, the door is like a black glass door. It's like you can't really see out of it, but it's a black glass door. And in post, every time they would come in and close the door, all you saw was this big bright yellow ass dude standing in the in the damn window holding a boom mic. And we had to do a lot of editing to get him out of there. Speaking, speaking of seeing boom mics and Tom Selleck, has <laughs> anyone ever seen Cannonball Run 2? Oh, yes, dude. Oh, man. There is the I'll talk scene, about them both with you. There, there is the scene where they're in the, in the bar, and I think it's Dom DeLuise, and I don't know if it's Tom Selleck or somebody. Somebody with a fucking mustache are all dressed up in, like, the Sheik's uh, female's garb. And you can see in the mirror of the bar the fucking film crew, like the camera, the cameraman, the spotlight, the boom I've, I have seen yeah, that. Like, the, you can it's see magical. the whole film crew. It is amazing. I, okay, yes. so I, I have them both it's on actually Burt Reynolds. Oh, it's Burt Reynolds. Okay. Um, I have you know, big mustache from the, from the 80s, you know? The mustache from the 80s. I can get behind confusing Burt Reynolds and Tom Selleck. That's oh, great. Later. I have them both on DVD, so now I'm definitely going to go look for that later on. <laughs> now I got to see it for sure. Also, speaking of Burt Reynolds, I believe the same thing happened in Smoking the Bandit. I want to say part two, where he's driving down the street, supposedly, and in the, side, the, the sun's hitting the side of his car in a certain way, where you actually see the camera that's filming his car driving in the reflection of the car. Nice. Same thing. So, you, yes, so yes. you have to be very wary when you make Strip Club Massacre 2, because somewhere, somehow, the <laughs> film crew will end up on camera. Oh, yeah. I might do it on purpose now. Yeah, really. I might as well just yeah say fuck it and we'll just do it for real. What advice would you guys give to someone who wants to create their own independent film? Do it. I, I, yeah, I think... <laughs> do it. This isn't... It's a Nike commercial all of a sudden. I think, yeah, I think it's... um You can find a way around any obstacle. I mean... 
if you want to if you want to do it bad enough it doesn't i think it it almost doesn't matter if you end up with a product that doesn't look good or i don't know i guess there's a fine line with that but i mean if you want to do it bad enough you'll find a way around it you'll find a way around budgetary constraints you'll find a way around having to recast your lead actress after you began shooting you'll find a way to do it and if the end result isn't quite what you wanted or if it's not as good as you wanted i think you even have to accept that as a success because at the end of the day you made a fucking movie what i will say though what i will say to be to be real a real answer is for your first time low budget you need to keep the locations limited um location is a big big thing luckily i was fortunate enough to have a friend that her house was probably worth two million dollars and we have in the movie strip club massacre there are four different homes in the movie that were actually all shot in her home but we blocked it in such a way that you'll never know it's the same house throughout the whole film but um, if we had had to go out and find four different houses, it, it would have been – we'd still be filming. I mean location is key. Keep your scripts, few locations, few main characters, and that's a great start. See, that's, that's one that I, we have not heard yet from everybody we've talked to is about location. Keep it- yeah, keep it very simple early on. And, you know, I, and I'll be honest with you, keep the cast smaller. Um, that's one of the problems I had. You know, I'm sitting there doing a strip club massacre thinking, oh, you know, we'll just get a bunch of extras to come to the club and sit around. And then you got all these buddies like, yeah, man, you know, I'll be there Sunday morning. I want to be in your movie, blah, blah, blah. So I, I got a list of 30 guys showing up. Well, then Sunday morning rolls around and they're hungover and 12 guys show up. <laughs> so then, you know, now you got to find a way to make these 12 guys look like 50. And, it, you know, it just keep your keep your cast small, keep your extras smaller and keep your locations very limited. Now, there's a, a question that rages on here that we like to get everybody's input on. Um, you know, Paul and I debate it hotly, like very often for some ungodly reason. So I want to know, what is each of your opinions on hairless cats? I think they look weird. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to hate on them because they're hairless because I'm kind of bald myself. But <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I don't think I would own one, but I wouldn't hate on somebody for owning one. I feel like camaraderie with the hairless cats. Right, right, right. Now, are we talking okay. about the actual cat or like gonna, if your I'll, girl is hairless down there? No, I, mean, no, I don't so know. We're, we're talking about oh, li- right, the, real, li- the real felines. Okay, literal all right. hairless cats. Like, like, okay, like I didn't know if this was like this was like some kind of metaphor for something. Okay, cool. Go ahead. That'll no. be for another podcast. No. Yeah. <laughs> Well, since I know we're being literal now, um, I, here's my opinion. Um, I've never held one, but something about it tells me that they have, like, the softest baby-ass skin. And so I think for that reason, I probably would hold a hairless cat once just to see if it really was like that. Now, if I do and it ends up being all prickly and gross, then all bets are off, and now I know the answer to that question as well. But I'm willing to, I'm willing to give one a pet to see. It's kind of like pending on like experience. That's right, pending upon verified contact, <laughs> which is also figuratively what it's like with the hairless cat. I think. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. I was waiting for Bruce. To say I preferred the haired ones, but okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Corey seems to like them a lot. I'm uh, not so much of a fan of them. To me, it just reminds me of um, you know in Jurassic Park when um, they're debating on whether or not it was ethical to um create dinosaurs to bring dinosaurs back well that's hairless cats to me it's like we should have had the conversation beforehand and it was a bad idea and you know we just went too far and we need to go back 
<laughs> I mean, I, I, I think they're like they're like gremlins. They're just so adorable and cuddly looking, and you know they're more than likely not going to slit your throat in the middle of the night. So you can't feed them after midnight. Sure. Good call. Good call. I wonder if the water. Yeah, and since we're comparing them to gremlins, I wonder if water beads off their skin. Because, you know, I mean, with a full coat of fur, you know the water beads. But I wonder if it would with there's no fur on them. They're, like, laminated like, or something? Yeah, like, maybe they might have rainex type skin or something. I don't know. Oh, that's a, that's a oh, very good question. A hairless, waxed cat. So, when Smith. is Strip Club Massacre uh, scheduled for release? Uh, May 2nd. You can pre-order iTunes right now. FYI. Yeah, it just went, they just went live with iTunes pre-order... Uh, you know, if you if you backed it during the crowdfunding and pre-order of the DVD days, you, you've likely gotten your copy already. Um, but yeah, May 2nd on all the major streaming platforms uh, and also on DVD on Amazon. And it's entirely possible that Bob and I will have a very small, limited run of, of pre, I guess, pre- worldwide distribution copies of the dvd i don't even know if that makes sense what i just said but uh, I there think, won't be um, many, there won't be many available so if they're if, when we release them it's going to be a one-time shipment so jump on it yeah basically we've we've got a little leeway from the distribution company to put out just a real quick limited run that we kind of pre-agreed on so that's coming down uh, the pipes as well pretty soon here it might be it might be after the may 2nd release but it'll still be like uh you know like a numbered you know one of 100 or one of 200 so it'd be kind of cool like a variant cover possibly so one of 69 the there you, there that you was, go Bob. that was immature as hell sorry yeah can someone, the, bald, the bald cat thing someone please edit that you guys have to do us all justice and edit that out keep it we'll try keep it i mean I mean, me being a, being a cancer, I would love to have that like sixty nine of sixty nine because you know you turn it on the side and it's the oh, astrological symbol for cancer and <laughs> yeah, right on. See, that's what I meant. I was going for that. <laughs> Bob, Bob's real into astrology and numerology, so. <laughs> so where is it that we can follow you guys to learn any additional information about Strip Club Massacre and any future projects you're working on? Um, yeah, so the, our Facebook page is Strip Club Massacre. Uh, our Instagram is Strip Club Massacre. Our Twitter is uh, SC Massacre Film. So those are the three main outlets. Pretty much, I, I handle those. And I mean, I figure this day and age, if social media, you can pretty much get news out quicker than you can do it any other way. So we do also have our website. Just kind of, I won't even say. I mean, it's a play. It's more than a placeholder. But RealBloody.com, which is our our Real Bloody Films, our film company. Um, we've got some tidbits of info there, but I mean, social media is the place you're going to be able to actually know what's going on. Yeah, and us. you can also follow Real Bloody Films on um, Facebook as well. Now, now, just to be yep. clear, that's that's Real Bloody as in R E E L. Yeah, I'm sorry, it is. J- just making sure. Yeah, I oh, know. That's a cute little play on words, isn't it? I mean, it it seemed fitting at the time, right? So I think it's great. Well, it started out as real bloody reviews, is how we originally did it, and then we were like, yeah, yeah let's just take out reviews and put films. So, matter of fact, if you go to realbloody.com, you can look at an archive of all of our all of our reviews and the interviews we got with uh, directors of some of the movies, like uh, Adam Robitaille from Taking of Deborah Logan, um, and a couple other guys. But yeah, it's all archived on the website as well. Just I don't know. Awesome. Yep. Yeah, For a big. Because reasons, I don't know. Because lazy, I guess. <laughs> it's a good. That's a good reason, is any? Yep. Exactly. 
All right, there you have it, B-Movie fans. Strip Club Massacre by Bruce Kilroy and Bob Clark. You will not want to miss this one. Bruce and Bob, thank you for joining us today. It's been a lot of fun having you on the show. All right, man. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thanks for coming on.